If you're one of the people that love this show, make sure you go over to holyfullproductions.com and check out our home. You can read articles. You can see my personal journals straight out of the typewriter. You can see the weekly link roundup of all the interesting things I run across. You can see drawings. You can see books recommended for the book club. Or if you're like me and you like things simple, you can just have it sent right to your inbox by signing up for the newsletter, which goes out almost every day. And of course, you can help support this show through either monthly subscriptions or generous one-time donations. All at hoyfulproductions.com. perception it seems like you're doing podcasts all the time yeah. so i would say you're probably a podcast guest uh, expert how do you <laughs> how do you prep before you get on all of these podcasts what are you doing before you you know you're sitting there and open your brain up for like an hour at a time well they're all they're always different times a day so i think for me to try to prepare in any um you know i guess like like ritualistic way almost seems i don't know yeah, like it's not going to do much for me because I'm going to be in a different headspace. I'm going to be in a different mood. Um, and I find that in general, the the goal is always to get into a flow state regardless of uh, what I'm doing, whether it's talking or playing music or making shit. So I've noticed that the more I... If I think about it too much, then it's just like grasping at uh, sand falling through your fingers, you know. I just try to not think about it. Actually, <laughs> just be in the moment, um, and just let whatever's going to come up come up, and just come at everything with a pretty like fierce honesty, and and just like always seeking to like you know enjoy it and connect. So for you, that flow state is more something that you, in in a more enlightened way, stumble yourself into rather than something that you suck yourself into. You don't have specific things. Is that what you're saying? I think it's essentially, it's one of those things where, you know, I've only like heard that term the past few years. I think before that, it was just this thing that I experienced a lot and would like seek, which is just, you know, to kind of disappear into whatever you're doing and forget about the outside world. And time just kind of stops it stops acting the way it normally does. And, you know, five hours can feel like five minutes if you're really just in flow state. And, you know, when it comes to performing, it's the same kind of thing. Like it, you don't worry about mistakes. You don't worry about anything else. If you're just in a flow state, you're just completely one with the moment and one with what you're doing. And for me, yeah, like any type of overthinking, I guess I'm like one of those people that like rips apart like the, I, I like go to the existential core of, of like whatever I'm doing without even trying. And, and I don't know exactly why that is, but it, it can be kind of debilitating sometimes when you're just like, you just want to like do something and, and, and be completely immersed in it, but your, your mind won't turn off. And I think that's probably, this all comes back to like meditation and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, th- I find that like intention, like setting an intention before anything you're doing um, is great. But anything beyond that can become this thing where I start to obsess and feel like I'm maybe not not um, 
succeeding in the moment or something. You know, you just start going down this like spiral of of thought, and I try to avoid that. I definitely think that's something that you and I share for sure is the over analysis of things. I know that like I've been kind of coping with this recently. I like to use the word coping because I think it's a word that can work positively and negatively. Sure. But just realizing that uh, in some ways, that is a, it's an advantageous thing for me. You know, I always tried to come at it before with this negative opinion of it as I think too much, I think too much. Mm. But what I've uh, come to recently is the realization that also that means that one of my superpowers is research, mm-hmm. is that I can come to things with uh, more hunger, with a hunger for more knowledge than most people would. Sure. It is debilitating, <laughs> that constant. You know, do you get into the, the purchase loop when you're trying to buy something? Do you spend hours and hours looking about different, you know, if you're going to buy a camera, do you look up every camera? <laughs> no, specifically because I know that I can go into this type of behavior. So I don't, I don't allow myself to go into that, especially when it comes to purchases, because it really, yeah. Well, A, I will, I will waste, uh, you know, I'll burn a ton of time going down the review rabbit hole and doing all that stuff. But then, you know, I think even beyond that, it will actually put me off from making the purchase. It'll make me, it'll make me completely like just turned off from even doing, getting the thing anymore because I, I can't handle the anxiety of making the decision. So I think I just have like almost like a mindset. Uh, lifestyle, I guess you could say, which is just like, you know, get the thing you need to get the thing done. If if there's something that's like more, I don't know, luxurious or something like that, it's kind of like get the thing that you need to make you feel the way you want to feel. And if you're spending $20 more or you're buying something that may not be the best of the best, then you deal with it as it comes. You know, it's like, oh, Oh, I spent twenty dollars more than I should have, or oh, I didn't get the best thing. This thing probably won't last that long. Guess I learned my lesson. I'll have to buy another one at some point. You know, um, that for me, for whatever reason, works better than the days upon weeks I'll spend <laughs> looking into something. I think that there's this dangerous, um, this dangerous pattern that we can use in you know, in taking care of our lives as well with that people who think the way that we think, you know, for example, I've done this in the past. I've taken and decided I'm going to use this app, whatever the app is Mm -hmm. to organize my life. Mm -hmm. And I pile all of that energy into that and I get it set up. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, Oh, you know what? This doesn't do that. (laughs) So then I have to find something else and put all that energy again. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've had to take exactly what you're talking about with the camera and put that into in, into the organization things too, yeah. Because it's just it's it's a deadly hole. Mm-hmm. It gets ugly too. People don't. If you guys haven't experienced this, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard <laughs> to explain. It, well, it's also anyone who's read the War of Art understands the concept of resistance and and basically, you know, if you haven't read it, you should. But if 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 you have, uh, then yeah, you know, anything can be anything can. Uh, be used as a way to avoid doing the work. And for me, there's nothing better than like a task or a search for something that I don't know how long it will even take. And it's like, well, 
that could eat up the rest of my day. Maybe I should uh, convince myself that I need to do that instead of this. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm trying to be a lot more aware of of the the things that I do to avoid the mental confrontation that needs to happen or the getting the the chair behind the desk moment that sometimes my subconscious will fret about and avoid. And I imagine with the amount of just the visual arts that you do, just the painting and the drawings that you do, the amount of stuff that you're putting out, that resistance is a, a more of a looming figure than it is for most people in the sense that you, you know, you're working at a, at a faster pace than a casual artist would be. Yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes <laughs> I think, um, I think regardless of whether I'm putting out a lot or, or, or even just going through a period of time where I'm not putting out much, it's always the same struggle, which is kind of to really just avoid judgment of, of the task, avoid, avoid like, um, the self critique of where do I fit into the lexicon of all this shit? Like what, like who am I as an artist? What am I supposed to be doing? Like all that stuff can creep in whenever. So, you know, for me, I find that I'm definitely at my most healthy creatively and mentally when I'm, when I'm just doing everything I can to avoid those types of uh, thought spirals. So you're taking the thinking down to the more of the macro in the sense that you're any, any critique mechanism you're using just for the technique that you're doing, you know, like, does this, um, shadow look good or something like that and not pulling it out to the grander scheme. Yeah. Well, even, even that, um, I'd say uh, I've been, my process has always been just, you know, in a state of flux, I guess, but I'd say even recently trying not even to pass judgment in, in those technical ways, you know, finding myself in a place in my, I don't know, I don't like saying career, but, um, whatever in my journey that I'm not, I'm more concerned about feeling and, uh, catharsis and, um, you know, just those types of things connecting to a sense of spirituality and like, like, like inspiration when I'm making things, um, pure intention, stuff like that. I think the more I focus on that, yeah, sure. They're, always going to be technical things that could be better, but I'll allow that to come in more as an afterthought and a lesson to be learned for the next time rather than obsess on it while making something because that can just completely take me out of the magic of it. It takes away the the alchemy, um, which I think, you know, really truly is the stuff that we can't quantify about being creative and making things um you know the the less i'm the less i'm connected to that magical side of it the the less i want to do it um on a daily basis and and i find actually that the less successful any of the things i'm trying to do really are because they're not going to connect as deeply and as effortlessly and how do you balance that that seeking for the magic as you describe it with you know all of the things that a career artist has to think about I have this art show coming up. I have a deadline. I need this many pieces done. Even down to some people 
I'm not sure if you worry about this, but you know, I put this up uh, on my social media mm-hmm. and I didn't get enough likes. Um, so does this painting suck? You know, how are you balancing that magic with all of those things that are swimming in your head? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, I think, uh, well, for one to preface all of this, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm in a different position than a lot of other people are. I guess we're all in different positions. We're all unique, but I do have like a total blessing when it comes to visual art because I have another, another thing that's uh, also a full-time venture that also sustains me financially. Um, you know, making music with Circa and just all music related things are, is like this other side thing that I get to. I mean, it's not even a side thing. It's an equally important thing. At some points, it's the priority thing, and it allow it takes pressure off of the the art thing in a way that you know most of my full time visual artist friends don't have that luxury. You know that they're in that all the time. You know, and that's not to say I don't reside there too. I'll go through long periods of time where art is sustaining me financially and you know, Circa is on a downswing, but I'd say that there, to not acknowledge that there is a little bit of uh, a built-in support system that will allow me to not take certain things as seriously as like, as far as challenges and, and things of that nature go. So for me, I, I don't like to get caught up in the minutia of Oh, did, did, did this didn't get likes, or this didn't this didn't resonate the way I thought it would socially? Because I find that, and now now this is what I think is I think this is more of a universal thing with art. But I've only been able to come to this realization through the luxury of being able to look at it more philosophically and reflect on it, and not have that under the gun feeling that I think most full time artists have. I just think that there's such a deep effect happening that you're not going to see with likes on social media or comments or there's a lot of effect of what you're doing as a creative that you're not going to see confirmation of. And I think that is severely overlooked in this day and age because we, we like metrics for everything and you know, I think it's very it's a very difficult thing to kind of impart to to a younger creator who it's all they know and you know it's the way that they it is the way that at least mentally they can kind of like evaluate what they're doing. Oh yeah, like look, this this thing really resonated with the, my followers, you know, they really liked this so i should do more of this etc and i'm not saying there isn't some legitimacy to that i just think like i think about your affirmation right before before we did this podcast you you said you know it's going to what did you say change someone someone's perspective or or like affect somebody someone will be changed for the better while listening (laughs) yeah so i think that's a pretty safe assumption even on the most simplistic level that we will achieve that, right? But will we will we have confirmation of that? Not necessarily. 
And it's kind of like, do we, do we feel like we didn't accomplish it if we don't get that confirmation? I think, I think, um, you know, it's easy to get sucked into that. Uh, but for me, I like to think about, I like to like, <laughs> um, really reside in the place where I'm certain that someone will, will feel, will feel that. And I don't need confirmation of it. Um, and the less I look for it, the more it'll actually pronounce itself to me anyway. So it's, um, it's just one of those little, uh, life hack things, I guess, you know, where I've just realized, oh, it's pointless to worry about that. Got to, got to be worried about the, the making this stuff, not the, the other stuff. <laughs> I'm finding this particularly appropriate because uh, something interesting happened to me on Instagram the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, I published a book of poetry. I think, I don't even know. It's been so long. I'm going to say five or six years ago. Nothing really happened with it. It, you know, I sold a fair amount of copies. Um, you know, I didn't become <laughs> a famous poet or anything like that. Sure. And I just, I stopped thinking about the book, obviously, as you do with anything that kind of drifts into the background as you move forward into new areas. And then suddenly the other day I look and I have a message on Instagram and I open it up and it's a girl telling me that she just finished reading my book in a coffee shop and that she loved it. And you know, it's just kind of this idea of uh, it had an effect on her, kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And it just, it blew my mind, not because, uh, you know, it stoked my ego or anything like that, because that book is so far removed from who I am now that I don't think it's possible to, to, sure. s- to stoke that. But just exactly what you're saying, where it's like, wow, that's powerful. I put something out into the world. And even after I forgot about it, it's still out there living a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And it's still out there doing something. Mm-hmm. Other than art, and I go into music for a second, you know, like music is one of those things that uh, floats around for a lot longer, it seems like. You ever have that that sensation from older albums that you guys have done, you know, where somebody is connecting with something that you're so far disconnected from because of time, but it's still powerful for them? Yeah, all the time. And it's pretty, it is, it's, it puts me in a constant state of awe. And, and just, uh, I'm constantly in that, you know, now here's where I will allow myself to go into that existential, um, kind of, you know, deconstructive mindset. And I, I find it to be really satisfying, you know, going down, you know, tracing back moments of creativity in my life that have given birth to other things. And then, and then tracing back the social events that had to occur in order to bring me to those moments to where I birthed those things or I birthed those things with other people. And, um, you know, I find that just to be one of the most, um, you know, mentally satisfying exercises, uh, just to trace things all the way back, you know, I can find, (laughs) I was doing it, I was doing it the other day, basically, um, my band from high school this day forward. We were a band for probably about seven years or so. Like a thing that started in high school, went all the way throughout um, college, and then even after kind of dropping out and 
it was my foray into music and the music industry and touring. And also it really was. They say hi. The dogs say hi. (laughs) Come on guys, get over here. It's just the mailman. Okay. So yeah. um, Basically that band opened so many relationships and, and experiences for me. And we finally released our final album on vinyl. We never, we never got to when we released it 15 years ago because it was technically a, you know, a flop. <laughs> we put it out and it didn't really sell many copies on CD. And final, I guess, even then was just about to make its resurgence. It was, it was still obviously being collected by people and especially in the hardcore scene and stuff like that. But it was still expensive and the label didn't feel comfortable putting money into it back then. And then we broke up. So it just never happened. So we put this, we put out a vinyl version of In Response, our last album on the 15 year anniversary. And it just made me really just kind of go down this huge timeline in my head of, you know, how did that band start? And because I connect them so deeply with Circa and my present moment now, you know, I just turned 37. So it's like, wow, this band that started in, I think I was in 10th grade, maybe 11th grade. I can't remember. I want to say 11th grade, actually. So I wasn't even like 16 yet. And I think it's just one of those weird thoughts of decisions I made back then, you know, what, what shirt to wear to school, um, somehow affected the friends that I made, which then affected me being in a band with these people and then meeting all these other people. Um, some of which included my current bandmates you know, now 20 years later. And as simple as meeting two guys in gym class who, who, who just decided I was cool enough to talk to because I was wearing some obscure hardcore band shirt. And it's like, um, if, that had, if that moment had never happened, if we had never become friends, the amount of things that would be different in my life is absolutely mind-boggling. So, you know... I think um, it's so fun to to think about these things that we make. There's things that I've made in high school, like like quite literally, that I still, from time to time, will hear somebody tell me that it changed their life. And it's really all I can say is like, well, it changed my life too, <laughs> you know. And when you look at what you're doing with art. Which obviously it's it's reaching people in in a similar way, but also in a very different way. Yeah. But it's also something that you're not uh, sharing. You know, like when someone says something about a painting that you've done, that's you. Yeah. Done that alone. What what's that difference? That feeling that we're talking about. How does that feel, or does it feel different in something that you can share with others? You know, um, your bandmates mm-hmm. and share that experience and those memories. And when it's something that you made alone, is that different? 
it can be. Um, it doesn't have to be, but I was talking to my friend the other day just about the challenges of, of, of doing anything creative and especially doing something where you, you pour in a ton of time. And I was trying to just kind of get back into the mindset of someone who is just about to jump into it for the first time, which is very hard because I can barely remember what that, what that is like. But I all of a sudden tapped into it and I was starting to remember all the strange feelings of recording something um, by myself that I knew wasn't going to be for a band or, you know, just these, these moments where you're start, you're starting to realize your yourself, like where you end and other people's other people begin. And I think one of the biggest struggles for people, um, and at least for myself throughout that entire long journey of, of self-discovery is like the separation of your ego from, from what you make and, or, or just kind of like the balance of what, of what ego is and how ego plays a part in being an artist. And I think in a collaboration, it's, it's far easier for me to kind of, uh, indulge in, like a celebration of of like the wins, you know. Every time something good happens, it's easier to feel good about it because it's like a team effort that you can just feel this. There's just a lack of like self obsession that comes along with collaboration, especially when you have a huge extended um, group of collaborators, not just the you know bandmates, but the label, the you know your booking agent, your, your business manager, your management, like the people that tour with you, they, they all kind of, everyone shares a piece of, of each little win. And that's just easier to embrace, I think, for someone who, at least for me, I'm, I've always kind of like tried to shield myself from the nastier parts of ego where it can kind of like worm its way inside of you and become it's basically your shadow side but it can take over and it can basically you know we've all probably known people that can get consumed by their own idea of themselves not just creative people but you know it's definitely common within artists where they just have this inflated sense of themselves and i think for me punk and stuff like that always kind of instilled in me this, I would say, resistance to that, but also maybe even fear of that. You know, when doing things for myself, like making art or making a solo record or all that other stuff, there is this sense, you can almost get into this place where you can reason away the the entire thing. You're kind of like, I don't what am I even doing here? This is this is basically um, creative masturbation. You know, at a certain point, you start to feel you can you can feel like that real easy if you want to. If you want to basically tear yourself down, if you want to have a reason to not do what you're doing, it's just another form of resistance. But who do I think I am? That all that that very age old voice in your head. Everyone, most creative people have encountered this voice at some point and i think it's a lot easier to ignore that that critical voice when you're with a team of people all working towards something 
when it's just you alone in a room and you have a voice in your head going, who the fuck do you think you are? This is garbage. Uh, it's a lot harder to ignore. I understand that voice very well. It's, yeah. it's a voice I hear all the time. Every time I turn on this microphone, mm-hmm. you know, who am I? Who yeah. am I to talk to, to talk to these people? Who am I, <laughs> who am I to expect that people will listen? Yeah. And it, it, it becomes this devouring thing. I mean, it, it does in a way balance us, I think, without letting us get into that ego, but it can also be such a destructive thing. And I mean, what coping mechanisms have you found for preventing that from being impediment? You know, you brought up Stephen Pressfield's book, The the Art of War, or sorry, The War of Art, mm-hmm. and that idea of resistance. What are your coping mechanisms for resistance? I think psychology, uh, psychology and philosophy are two things that I think more creative people need to embrace in a way of... Um, looking at ourselves and, and kind of understanding why we do the things we do and what are our intentions and what is it that we want from what we're doing. And I'm sure plenty of us think about these goal-type ideas, but bigger than that, I guess, is where I'm going with it. Um, for me, a, a major coping mechanism with with shutting down that voice is just realizing that making things has been part of who I am since I can remember who I am. You know what I mean? Like, and to go even more woo woo and deeper into that kind of um, direction, who who am I? Question mark. You know, like uh, I, I think when I hear that voice in my head now, I just simply answer it back with like, this is who I am. And if it's not, I'm trying to figure out that, the answer to that very question. So if you could just shut the fuck up and let me get to it, <laughs> like that's basically my answer to the voice asking me, who do I think I am? Um, I'm trying to figure that out. Leave me alone. <laughs> I think seeing life as art, seeing life as a creative act is important too, because if you see making something as a parallel action to say, eating food or going for a walk. It's like, it just makes it more um, organic and natural. And I think that's what I was kind of hinting at earlier about like, you know, not freaking out over making a shadow better or, or like trying to make a highlight perfect or anything like that in a painting. It's like, I think about stuff um, like the Gary Shandling documentary which is like, you know, to me, there's just so many wonderful lessons in that to be gleaned. But yeah, I'm just trying to express my innermost being. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sure, technical ability, um, I'm sure, plays some role in that. But for me, it's kind of like, the less I think about that, and the more I'm um, focused on expressing who I am, kind of like putting out this broadcast signal and keeping it going with whatever I can, um, whatever I'm making at that moment and realizing it doesn't have to be like everything I've made before, but it also doesn't have to be reinventing the wheel. It can be whatever I want it to be and it doesn't matter. It won't even be a blip on my memory screen five years from now, more than likely. Or it could be some defining moment 
but it won't be a defining moment if I'm sitting there hoping that it will be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it seems in the moment that we are the worst judges of what is valuable and what will be meaningful at time. We don't realize that the things that uh, will stick with us forever are the things that will stick for us with us forever in the moment. Mm-hmm. Things that we value in the moment that we obsess about, going back to our mental obsession thing, are things that we'll totally forget. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think about the idea and the concept of essence a lot, or at least I have been lately, and just how so much of our lives gets distilled down to essence and not distinct moments and, and memories. Um, you know, what is the essence of this person in my life? What is the essence of, of my existence as a musician? Um, the essence of, of my time spent living in San Jose versus Portland versus New York versus, you know, wherever else I've spent time where I was born in Philadelphia, like, they're all just essences. They're not this thing that I can have cataloged down to the second or the minute or whatever. So it's kind of like, well, what builds essence? And to me, that's repetition, but more accurately, intention expressed honestly, because the more it's done honestly, the more it will be consistent. And that builds an essence, you know? Me being there for a friend, repeating that over and over again because I truly want to be there for that friend and I feel connected to that person. My essence to them is someone who's been there for them. You know what I mean? Like it's just because I, I've done that repeatedly that they have that though. If I had just done it really well once, I would just probably be like considered a nice person in their mind or something like that. But, you know, that, and that's just an example. I mean, but I, I think it's important to remember that we're not going to look back on our lives minute for minute, day by day or anything like that. It's just going to be the, these weird blobs of essence. <laughs> and how do you think that we keep ourselves honest? You know, you said intention expressed honestly. How do we know when we're being honest? That's a good question. So I, I've kind of been diving back into exploring my own consciousness with um, psychedelics and meditation and a lot of just going deeper in that way. And it, it is really interesting how much we can deceive ourselves and how even say like in, in the throes of, of some like um, trip that's being provided to you by some plant medicine. It's like, I think it's so important now as an adult I, I can see how important it is to realize that not every vision you have is some vision of pure truth and not every thing you're seeing when you go into like a meditative reflective kind of place is going to be truth. You have to realize that there are these kind of tricks we can play on ourselves. There's multiple layers of ego and, and self that need to be peeled back and really like I'm sure there's a degree of fake it till you make it when it comes to honesty and intention. I don't know that I could sit there and pinpoint when I realized, you know, oh, I want to make things to inspire other people to make things. I want to make things to express some deep, ineffable thing about life and love and humanity and death and 
you know, there's all these things. I have no idea when that actually became conscious, but somehow along the way it did. And maybe it was there all the time. The more I look back at even my earliest inklings of being creative, it's been there all the time. I used to even, when it first appeared, I would question it and even think it was contrived and not real and, and or think the stuff that did feel powerful and did resonate as real, I attributed to some hidden hand, like muse, you know, over, over mind type of thing that I must've been tapping into because um, obviously I didn't come up with that. That was kind of my notion of it. So I think honesty, being honest and, and connecting with uh, like a pure intention is going to look different and feel different for everybody. But for me, it's very simple. It's just, you know, it's just this, uh, I don't know, it, it, it feels like a internal GPS kind of, it just feels like, oh yeah, like this is why I'm doing this. This is what feels um, most gratifying is this notion that whether I sell something or not, whether, whether it gets, you know, some accolade or not, I, I, I know and have been um, given, you know, many reasons to believe that it will inspire other people to do their own version of that. And, and that's like a great purpose for me. It's a very, I don't know, it's very settling. I think that that word purpose is of utmost importance. Anybody that's listened to this, listening to this now that listened to season one knows that there was a lot of talk about purpose at the end of that season. Because I think I stumbled upon a similar thing. And I think in a way that purpose and that uh, term essence that you use in a way are very similar. And it's like we're looking for the essence of ourselves and then we get positive feedback that lets us know that we're on the, I guess the best way to say it is on the right path. Would you agree with that? Um, Yes and no. Um, And I think, again, this goes back to the idea that there's going to be like trickster energy along the way. Um, you know, we like the, the band, (laughs) it's so strange, but, um, the band truly has been such this, um, constant, uh, example of, of, of all these things for me, I've been able to learn about, um, the pros and cons of being in the industry of, of, you know, selling, creative dust. Like, I don't know how else to put it, but you get a lot of positive feedback from people in the music industry and just, um, so you have the music industry side giving you feedback and then you have your quote unquote fans giving you feedback. You have all these different voices and you have to, at a certain point, well, I guess at, at all points, but over time you get better at discerning what, what voices you're going to listen to, which ones are going to be the loudest. And, you know, somewhere along those, like in that chorus of voices, like has to be your own internal one as well. And so there is a lot of, um, there is a lot of shielding of, okay, I, I hear that comment. I hear that thing that, anybody else could perceive as being super positive or being very um, affirming. But something about it 
resonates with me in a way that I feel like maybe is a little toxic and not, not that it has any type of implication uh, about the person who said it, but you just start to realize which, which comments kind of confirm your own uh, bias, I guess. And that's the stuff you, you just kind of, that's been a gift. That's really truly been a thing that I've applied in so many different areas of my life um, that I think just the simple act of going through the career of the band and, and realizing that not every, not every compliment is meant to be fully absorbed and not every, not every little ego boost is meant to be taken. And some of that stuff is just, you're supposed to just kind of let it be part of like the chaotic choir of voices. <laughs> and that brings up an interesting point too. taken to the other end of it, you know, uh, especially a band that is um, putting out albums that a lot of people love. You're getting a lot of attention, but then with that always comes the opposite. Mm-hmm. The, the people who are there to just say something mean or hurtful or you know, just, and it's not even a personal thing. Sometimes they just really want to stab at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a question a lot of people get asked, like, how do you deal with that? And, you know, there are stock answers, but can we go a little bit deeper? Like, what does that really feel like for you mm-hmm. when something brutal comes at you? And how do you actually, what's the actual internalization process of that? Yeah, it's so strange because when you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. But um, uh, it's like something that at some point in my life has been so present and so such a perceived threat but now it's like i don't even think about them like it when you say that it's kind of like oh yeah it 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 almost (laughs) gives me the same feeling of like oh yeah that that movie that i watched on dvd once that i can't remember the title of that i think i left that copy in that you know three or four apartments ago like you can't even kind of you don't, you have no idea what it actually is, you know, like that's how far removed I am from it at this point. I just don't, even when I will come across something really negative, I just kind of laugh at it because like what I think maybe that, that kind of will confirm how I've spent some of my time for myself. That's, that's one of those gratifying moments where when I'm, when I'm able to read some really nasty negative comment, about something I've made or something I'm, you know, crucially a part of like the band or anything really. It reminds me of how far I've come and how basically, I mean, it makes me feel rewarded for challenging my own ego um, over the course of this entire time, you know, and basically that's the reward right there is like, Oh yeah, that's why I didn't absorb all those, um, you know, inflations. That's why I didn't eat all that cake. It's like, uh, because this would sting so much more if I actually believed all that shit. It's just so much easier to get hurt by someone's comment. If you're living in a state where you need that, that constant, affirmation from others right because 
you know, that comment is going to hurt that. It's going to make you feel like, oh my God, what if like a lot of people feel this way? Like, what if I'm not at all what I thought I was? And, you know, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just where I'm at now, but I just immediately, whenever I read anything like that, I feel like my instant reaction is, I'm really sorry that you're in pain. Like that's basically the first thing I think about. I'm sorry that this person is hurting because that's obviously what this is. They felt compelled to express their own pain uh, by trying to make me feel that. And I try not to completely ignore it because I think that's also easy too. It's like really easy to completely let it destroy you. And it's also really, um, it could be easy to totally ignore it too. But I think the the way to go about it for me in a way that feels healthy, in a way that kind of just let it be like water that just kind of like passes over me and just like, yep, that that exists. And the way I see that is that this person was hurting and maybe maybe someday something will make them feel different. Um, it's not my duty to make them feel different. It's not my duty to um, argue with them and. I don't know. There's been so many different times in my life where I react differently to those things. But now it's just, it just feels right. It feels right to like try to cultivate empathy for that person and acknowledge that if there's something that someone says that does bother me, I try to look at what is it about what they just said that bothered me? Because there's probably some truth in there. Um, There's probably something that at the very bare minimum, something that, you know, I haven't processed yet. Um, maybe some projection. Who who knows? I don't know. But that's where I, you know what I was talking about earlier about just psychology and philosophy coming coming in really handy. You know, when you can see that we we are enraged quite often with things that remind us of ourselves that we don't want to admit. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just in a place now where I'm constantly trying to cultivate and empathy and compassion for other people, regardless of how, how hurtful they could be, how opposite from me they could be. And that comes, that comes in really handy with creative stuff, but it's kind of like the state of the world and the way everything is, it's like, I don't know, (laughs) just the fact that we even uh, have the uh, comfort allotted to sit and ponder these things is almost ridiculous sometimes, you know? So try to go that way with my thoughts. Yeah, I always think about the the same thing where it's that truth is hit there's some some sort of truth hidden in everything. Everything has a message. So I find times when I'm angry about something, you know, when you get these bouts of uh I don't know if you do, I shouldn't assume if you get these bouts of frustration or angry and you don't know why, and then you actually start to trace it and you can see the paths of everything that you're experiencing. It's the same thing. Like you said, with people, even when I've asked um, listeners, like, what, what do you think we should do with this? What do you think we should do with this? Sometimes there's a burn and it is that truth. Mm-hmm. There's something in there that you're feeling. And I think that I just wanted to, reiterate that point to everyone listening to not just ignore things, which is kind of the platitudes that uh, people give when these questions are answered, when these questions are asked, Mm -hmm. 
but to actually experience things, like Colin just said, to actually experience them and to dig into them and feel them. Yeah, it's it's pretty freeing too. I mean, when you can actually do that on a consistent basis, it makes you stronger and makes you more courageous and makes you able to, you know, you don't have to be like kind of like peeking around every social media corner, hoping that you're not going to get your feelings hurt and you can just kind of exist in the world and, uh, you know, hopefully not just online, you know, like hopefully it allows you to have a thicker skin in, in reality too. And, you know, I think having a thicker skin just in general could benefit all of us, I think a little bit, but I think, you know, that's just like a turn of phrase. You know, I think, I think it really does come down to having a, a healthier sense of ourselves um, egotistically and, and having more compassion for others and, and realizing that like, you know, someone's criti- criticism of you isn't a threat to your entire being. Um, it's just nothing more than, than what it is. And it's just like, um, I don't know worth worth hearing and feeling and then just letting it go i think we often confuse things that we believe which tend to change over time as all of us know with our identity that we are what we believe but it's not necessarily we are what we what we believe and what we do with that is Mm -hmm. a better way to think about it yeah recently just kind of going through my own just sorts of of um remembering and transformation from or just kind of like freeing myself from certain ideologies or thought prisons that I you know I I've always had a way of um compartmentalizing different beliefs and different thought patterns and stuff but recently just realizing how how important it is to allow ourselves to change how important it is to allow other people to change I mean with all the the anger that's out there right now, it's like the irony is that when people do have any kind of moment of clarity where they see things differently and, and perhaps want to change their position on something, perhaps something that's very hard for them to admit or hard from, for them to have come to, you know, the amount of, of shit people get from all sides, if they show any type of like wavering in what they once felt, um, even if it was like literally like decade plus um, earlier that someone felt something or learned something, it's kind of remarkable, you know. It's kind of like even even when we sit there and we're, we're just like, if only people could all be like this. But think of what happens in your life when people you know do change in that same way are you like are you welcoming of it are you critical of it are you i told you so about it i think all this stuff is kind of interesting and we do that to ourselves too Um, we think that being you know consistent with our beliefs and our identities and all this stuff is more valuable than than you know evolving them um and i think that that's kind of backwards we kind of need to think we need to embrace the idea of allowing ourselves to be a little more um, liquid when it comes to that stuff, a little more fluid. Let your opinions on things 
meander in a gray area, <laughs> you know, like for maybe, maybe allow yourself to be in a, a state of, I don't know, um, when it comes to a lot of things that maybe you don't know, <laughs> uh, you don't have to have an answer in a position on everything. And I think even the ones that you do, it's worth, you know, revisiting them from time to time. It's worth allowing yourself the space to evolve uh, if, if necessary. And that's kind of like the whole point of why I called this holy fool, right? Getting myself out of that place of feeling like I know everything because mm-hmm. I know that I had the tendency and I'm, I should say I still have it. I just battle it now. The tendency to be a know-it-all. Sure. It probably goes back to what we started with, the idea of uh, being the person who researches things to death. Mm-hmm. It starts to make me feel like uh, like I do know everything because, hey, I did the research. But there's always something that we're blind to. And that's been a very, it's been, been a very enlightening thought process for me recently is realizing that there are many, many blind spots for all of us. Oh, yeah. We, when we live off assumptions that we don't have blind spots, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, indeed. It's uh, it's awesome that you're kind of going through that whole um, process of kind of deconstructing those those patterns and feelings. And I think uh, you know I'm I'm similar in that I'm definitely a sponge for information, and I know a lot of people that are that are like that as well and all of us i would say possess that that quality of of know-it-allness and perhaps we get sucked into the trap of of defining ourselves by the amount of information we we know <laughs> you know and uh it's interesting how we then tend to forget that just the moment and the act of being around others and simply listening is another form of research it's another form of taking in information and um it's interesting to be around people who are what's the term for it? is it like autodidactic like people who just can soak up information and spit it back out like i think a lot of people who maybe at least teeter on the edge of, of being something close to that you know we all have to remind ourselves to still be in the moment when we're around other people and it's not not every moment with others is 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 a uh, is your cue to unload your information that you've been um, collecting for you know <laughs> eons now. Like be like, oh yeah, now that I have you here, have you heard that this and this and then you just you know we could just go on forever and they're like, yeah, well, I've been busy with this other thing in my life and I missed all that and. Not that it doesn't come in handy with conversations and it's, it's wonderful to share information. It's just, uh, I can definitely relate to that. Or even just, yeah, just talking about simple facts of reality and, and, and just disagreeing or having different, um, different information than someone else. It's real easy for that to turn into the evening, <laughs> you know? And, and it's like, shouldn't we be? spending our time together in some way that's uh, meaningful since we haven't seen each other in a while or not that there aren't great. I have many a friend that is, you know, just wonderful to debate with and, and, and just kind of pass information back and forth. And that, that is, that is the dance for that friendship. And 
it's totally um, appropriate. Uh, it's kind of picking and choosing when it is and isn't, I guess. Right. Dictating the terms of relationships based on the interaction between the two people as opposed to your own desires or your own tendencies, maybe is a better way to say it. Yeah, exactly. Like appropriation as far as like what is appropriate um, for each relationship and you being this person, like having this information and knowing that that doesn't define you, you can exist in any situation and any moment with another person without espousing like information constantly. <laughs> and, um, but if it calls for it, then you're, uh, you're ready to go. What book or books do you think I should read next? Oh boy. Um, well, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on either Tao Lin's new book, Trip, or Michael Pollan's new book, How to Change Your Mind. All right. Well, would you like to, now that we're at the end, tell everyone who you are and plug whatever you would like to plug? <laughs> uh, I am Colin Frangicetto. I'm a human being. I make stuff. I, I love you. And um, you can find me using the, the internet machine. I don't really care where you, where you find me. And I don't care if you buy stuff from me or support anything I do. If you like anything I've got to say, then the most valuable thing that you could give me is an email conversation or take anything we've talked about here, apply it in a way that helps you or helps someone else. One of the best ways to support a podcast is to go over to the podcast app that you're using, especially if it is Apple Podcasts, and take five minutes to sit down and rate and review the show. Just give it a star rating, give it a paragraph letting people know what value you get out of the show, because that's how we communicate to the world what this show is about if they haven't listened to it before. And it's also how we communicate to guests or possible guests what the show that is inviting them on is about and what people think of it. So please take the time to rate and review us.